0: It was a cool Colorado morning as the 21st century Bodhisattva walked along the Boulder Canyon Trail, her hair dancing in the mountain breezes. On a bench under a tree she saw him sitting, looking out toward the mountains engaged in thought, a man named Michael who had been attending her Dharma teachings of late. Glances exchanged, recognition, an unsaid invitation to sit alongside, accepted by the Bodhisattva. It's funny you're here, said Michael, but I'm not surprised. I was thinking about you just a few moments ago. I've noticed at your teachings how you seem to have an uncanny way of knowing what I need to hear and when I need to hear it. He was speaking seriously, a hint of resigned sadness within his words. The bodhisattva's look invited him to speak more. I just had a conversation with my sister. It was difficult, as usual. Christmas is coming and the family is getting together at her home. Each year this gets more difficult for me. Family I really don't want to see, exchanging pleasantries and all the gifts, pretending things are the way they used to be, false expressions of love and caring as if everything that's happened over the years, all the breakdowns and animosities, as if they didn't occur. Underneath it all, there's so much stress and pressure. Year after year, I dread these holidays. It's just so hard for me to be there with all of them. This year, I'm seriously thinking of saying I won't come. I can't come. I think about saying no every year visualizing going away somewhere else or simply staying home but i haven't been able to pull the trigger and not show up i'm so conflicted i feel forced to go and make believe everything's okay as if i'm happy to be there cheerful even but it's hard there's so much hurtful stuff i have to overlook i feel so phony and the dharma teachings you share with us point towards such honesty. The 21st century Bodhisattva leaned in a little closer. Michael dear, I can see from your attention at the teachings our path makes sense to you, that the teachings do resonate deeply, so I'm going to get right to it. There is no greater test, no more fertile laboratory for our Dharma practices than our own families. The people we have been most intimate with often provide the greatest challenges, along with presenting our greatest opportunities for growth and the rewards that growth brings. I'm not disregarding your family history and past difficulties, but frankly, right at this moment, they're just historical details in the large picture, unimportant. Keep them in the past and look ahead. I believe you need a new viewpoint, to adapt a new approach, to become a little less self-centered, less poor me. Silence for Michael. Not comfortable hearing this, but sensing truth in the Bodhisattva's words, curious to know more. Okay, how do I do that? The Bodhisattva took his hand between hers. Well, there's many ways but I'm afraid we don't have enough time between now and the holidays to delve very deeply. Let me suggest a different perspective, something to think about, and let's see where it takes you. It is often difficult to forge and maintain an attitude of gratitude, loving kindness, compassion, patience, and a sense of calm when we're interacting with our family. We can read and study the Buddhist teachings and think we get it, But when the hot button frictions of family rub on us, we so easily revert to habitual reactions of impatience and aversion. And in so doing, find that we haven't really internalized the teachings to any depth at all. We're not nearly as engaged or centered as we would like to be. Remember, there are no everyday actions that belong outside of Dharma. Bring a sense of knowing, a mindfulness into your activities, whether with family or anyone else. Be present, be conscious, and never forget the ongoing and permanent nature of all phenomena, including family relationships, which are at their core mutually intertwined and shared to the point of often becoming uncomfortable. Everything matters. Everyone is our work. We can't just pick out certain parts or people in our life and integrate those as aspects of our path, saying, that's enough, it's all I need, while ignoring and excluding others. That creates too many walls and divisive feelings, sticky barriers that just box us in. We are at our best with a more holistic approach bringing in and embracing as much and as many as we can. Remember, the essence of our Mahayana practices is working to uncover our awakened mind not just for ourselves, but to help bring about freedom from the causes of suffering for all beings. This is accomplished through patience, cultivating equanimity and the arising of compassion, And it certainly includes those beings in our lives who fall under the category of family. You know, Michael, it is both wonderful and profound being presented an opportunity to further cultivate precious compassion during the holidays. A time when, perhaps more than others, people are leaning a bit more toward feeling and sharing in it themselves. Remember, there is no limit to its strength. Compassion for one can become compassion for two, four, one hundred, one thousand, one million. It comes from within and there is no natural border or end to it. A smile of understanding begins to dawn on Michael's face. Seeing this, the Bodhisattva continues. I suggest you think about joining your family at your sister's home and in so doing, begin preparing for your time there. Between now and the holiday time with your family, during your sitting practice, allow the object of your family to arise in your mind and pay attention. Do this gently. Bring space to your relaxed and pliant mind to welcome your family in. Remember, especially when challenges are present, It is difficult to achieve anything beyond that which we are, in a sense, aiming for. So cultivate wholesome intentions and motivations. Imbue your sitting with purpose. Sure, previous feelings or judgments will be there. They might be quite pointed and juicy, but see them as nothing more than old, tired, lazy mind reactions. When they arise, see them clearly with the knowledge that you really don't have any business with their negative energies and that allowing them to pass is now your work. Don't allow them to distract or pull you into wounded thinking or narrow-minded emotions. Just let them go while maintaining connection with your object with whatever compassion and confidence has arisen. And then, as this uncontaminated relationship with family unfolds, identify and begin to regard them as the object of your most important dharma work. It sounds good, Michael said softly, "but, but it seems so hard. Yes, I hear you, Michael. I hear you very clearly. I remember when I first began sharing dharma with people years ago. At times, it was so difficult. I'd get so frustrated and at times even angry that I couldn't change them. I couldn't make them see. It would get to where I try not to engage with them anymore or even avert or dodge them. But before long, I learned that avoiding them didn't help. I found that my most effective path was one of submission. May I suggest the same for you? What? Submission? really? Michael asked. Yes, Michael. Submission. Don't make the mistake of confusing submission with some sort of weakness or giving up. In actuality, it is anything but that. Submission of this sort is a form of wise and peaceful acceptance of the terms of things we are currently unable to change, things we're willing and able to work with, because we know the importance of doing so. I realize your family is currently a source of frustration and discomfort for you. But please remember, there's no delusion the mind is unable to overcome, nothing the mind cannot be trained to do. This is a core Buddhist understanding, the wise opposite to the prevailing narrow-minded Western idea of well, that's just how I am, and I can't change it. After some moments of reflection, the Bodhisattva continued. I have a good idea, Michael. I suggest you contemplate the Buddha's short teaching on the four immeasurable thoughts, particularly the first. May all beings have happiness and its causes. I will strive to enable all beings to have happiness and and its causes. Consider, Michael, what really is happiness and its causes. Investigate and understand that clearly, especially the causes. With that, visualize not only all the sentient beings you can imagine out there, on and over the horizon, glowing with joy, but the bodhisattva gently squeezed his hand. Maintain awareness of the awakening reminder that there is no sentient being in the world more important than the one standing directly in front of you, be they your sister, older family members, friends, strangers, or even perceived enemies. See them all in your mind's eye. Share yourself with each of them. Do this often during your sitting practice and at other times as well. You have the capacity. Do so and take it as far as you can. I believe it will be of great benefit to both you and, in turn, your family. Remember, submit. Don't be separate from them. Just share yourself without trying to change them or receive anything from them in return. To relate in this way, kindness, without investment in results, is most empowering. Work with it. They are your family. Be there with them, not for your own benefit, but for theirs. Show yourself by what you do and how you are with them. Be honest and generous. Share yourself through your actions. Indeed, focus and rely on your actions using words when it is skillful to do so. You'll soon see for yourself these ways of being dissolve even the deepest of emotional tangles. In summary, maintain patience and harmony, be flexible and gracious, and remember the excellences of patience abide when we are clear-sighted enough to trust the end result Of the awakening process. And yes, Michael, the Bodhisattva smiled, among everything else that you are, you are that awakening process. At that moment, the sights and sounds of the mountain path seemed to creatively resonate for Michael, and he was struck by the larger picture the Bodhisattva had invited him to see. Smiles exchanged as the 21st century bodhisattva gave him a hug and took her leave. This recording, A Holiday Dharma Tale, was written and shared here by Mark Winwood. Mark, that's me, is an adjunct faculty member at Naropa University in Boulder and the founder of the Chinrizik Project, a Tibetan Buddhist study and practice group resident in Colorado and with an international online presence. In addition to these Elegant Mind podcasts, we facilitate online Sangha gatherings and teachings, share writings via our weekly e-magazine and host various events. You can learn more about the Chenrizic Project at our website, www.chenrizikproject.org. That's C-H-E-N-R-E-Z-I-G-Project.org or send me an email at M Winwood. That's M-W-I-N-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. Our accompanying music, titled Untitled Number no. One, was composed and performed by the San Francisco Bay Area musician Bobby Vega in collaboration with guitarist Chris Rossback. It appears on their 2005 album, Bobby Vega and Chris Rossback. You can learn more about Bobby and his music at his website, www.bobbyvega.com, that's B-O-B-B-Y-V-E-G-A.com. Or as he's very findable online, you can simply Google his name or look for his numerous videos on YouTube. We remain grateful to Bobby for his friendship his talents, and his generosity in sharing his beautiful music with you, our Dharma audience. Please feel free to share the link to this podcast with those you feel it might resonate. And as always, thank you for listening.